case. Hi everybody, Rusty here with you for another edition of the Summer Grill, all with thanks to KTM. Make sure you check out their awesome model year 24 bikes, from dirt bikes to adventure, some seriously cool road bikes, plus the ultimate array of accessories, ready to race as they say. Our special guest on the show today is Ryan Walkinshaw, the articulate, straight-talking team boss from the Supercast, Walkinshaw Andretti United outfit. Speed Cafe's editorial director, Andrew Van Leeuwen, tracked him down at season's end to talk about the sport broadly and what he's hoping for from his outfit in 2024. Ryan Walkinshaw, thanks for joining us on the KTM Summer Grill. It's obviously been a uh, interesting year for Walkinshaw and Dreddy United. I just want to start, before we get onto like the on-track performance stuff, you guys took a massive risk by switching manufacturers. You know, you obviously would have had fan base that was part of that rusted on HRT fan base. What were you expecting from that transition from GM to Ford and how did it sort of, how did the reality stack up to what you were expecting? Yeah, look, I mean, we're always going to be a bit cautious when you make a significant change like that because obviously you know, we had an enormous fan base which were very um, very committed to Holden historically. Um, but um, you know, Holden doesn't exist anymore. So Holden you know, closed up shop a couple of years ago and um, you, know, you can't be a Holden fan if there's no such thing as Holden anymore. So it was the right time for us to move and we felt it was the right time for the fans of WAU um, and, and Walkinshaw uh, to you know, make that journey with us. Um, I think we were pretty open and transparent and honest during that sort of process, which I think you know, built up a lot of uh, you know, relationship equity and, and emotional equity in our fan base. Um, and uh, you know, I think the Nielsen data, which is you know, third-party media valuation data that a lot of the race teams use and most sporting teams in the world use to sort of understand how large your fan base is and, and get all the demographics from that. I believe that you know, last year, mid last year, I think we were the fourth largest supported team in the, in the category. And this year we're, we're, we've been second. So um, we haven't lost a lot of fans. We've had a net increase in fans having moved off across to Ford. It seems and appears according to the independent data that the vast majority of our fans um, you know, have remained WAU fans. Um, but then the benefit of moving the forward is that we picked up an, an enormous amount of Ford fans as well. Um, so yeah, it was trepidation going into this season about what that would be because we had no idea. We couldn't control that. Something which is outside of our ability to influence, other than just trying to be open and upfront and honest about the reasons why we're making change. And um, uh, you know, we're, we're pretty happy and, and proud of the fact that we're you know here this season as um, the leading Ford car and um, and the leading uh, Ford team when it comes to, 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 fan, to fan base. So um, and it's been a great switch for us, to be honest. Um, you know, performance on track aside with all parity and everything else like that, off track, um, it's been a really, really good season for us. So, um, you yeah, know, we can't, we can't really complain there. And, you know, we're pretty honoured and proud to have so many people supporting us. I guess, um, you know, it's been a fairly bonding introduction to the Ford family just because of the parody stuff. What's it been like working with Ford Performance and, you know, the, the, the Australian motorsport arm of Ford and with the other Ford teams? Like, you've really had some hard work to do together this year. Yeah, we have. At the end of the day, you've got a, you've got a homologation team um, and you've had Herod that have been doing the engines. And um, I'm not going to go into too much detail about what's going on there. It's, it's, it's questions you should ask them. But it has been frustrating, um, that's for sure. Um, we do feel that, uh, at least from a WAU perspective, that if we had a fair fight, um, I think Chaz would have had a pretty good crack at fighting for the championship. Um, if you look at where he, he finished in the championship this season, um, 
as the leading four driver, fourth in the championship, and only a couple of hundred points really behind you know, Brody and, and Shane. Yeah, if we had um, you know a more balanced package between Ford and 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 Camaro this year, um, you know there's there's no reason why we couldn't have had a uh, a much closer fight for the championship towards the end of the season with Chaz. So that is frustrating. Um, the you know the, the silver lining is that obviously one of the things that we wanted to do at the beginning of the season was be the number one Ford car on track, and we've accomplished that task and that goal. Um, you know, beating the incumbent Ford teams, including their homologation cars. Um, so from that perspective you know there's 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 some merit and success in 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 that perspective on on the season but ultimately you know it's very very hard to celebrate coming forth um even though you're first of um first of the mustangs um in a season where we all know what was going on behind the scenes so um yeah next year fingers crossed we have a fair crack at it and um and a good run and uh i think in on an even playing field you know, we're in a good position to, uh, to 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 have a big have a big battle to try and finally get that championship uh, trophy um, in our trophy cabinet here. Yeah, and I guess Ryan, you you touched on the point. Chaz um, did beat even one of those Erebus Camaros to fourth in the championship. Oh, on the other side of the garage, uh, Nick, you know we we've all seen his results before. Why did that one not work out for you guys over those two years? I mean, it's a difficult one. Um, yeah, we feel like we, we we did everything we could, and I'm sure Nick has, has has put his heart and soul into it as well. But you know, ultimately, um, you know, the results didn't really change, even though we changed quite a lot over the two years. Now, maybe it's an argument that we changed too much, but you know, we're under a lot of pressure from the, the sponsor and and the, and the driver and and our owners and everyone involved in the team to try and get the performance up there. But you know, with multiple different engineers, multiple mechanics, and two generations of car. And, Unfortunately, you know, we just couldn't get the results to match Chaz's. Um, you know, Chaz is, is, has got a very specific way about how he likes a car to be set up. But you know, and many times we, you know, just bolted that setup into into Nick's car, and it just didn't seem to work as well. And then, you know, when we let Nick and um, his side of the garage try and go in their own different direction, um, you know, we couldn't get the performance to uh, to, to to match Chaz either. Um, he, Nick also has had an enormous amount of bad luck. Um, you know, so that that's, that shows itself in the results. Um, he's had a lot of part failures, which Chaz's car hasn't had. Um, he's had a lot of bad luck on track um, and been involved in incidents when you know, many of the time it wasn't even his fault. He's just been un- just unfortunate, um, much more so than Chaz. Um, <clears throat> so there's a big element of that that's played into it as well, which probably steers the results over the last couple of seasons um, uh, the wrong way, a bit more than they probably should have been. But you know, ultimately, the, the championship doesn't lie. You know, obviously, everyone's been disappointed with how the performance has gone on that car, and um, you know, and that's uh, resulted in, in, in uh, Nick moving to MSR and, and us bringing Ryan Wood in for next season. That's obviously a, a really exciting move with Ryan. You know, a fresh start um, for you guys on that side of the garage. Uh, it, it's a sign that your academy, that you're taking your academy system seriously because you are willing to promote someone it wasn't uh obviously an entirely straightforward decision there was talk about some other drivers being in the mix for that seat why did you end up settling on ryan and are you sort of confident that he's going to be able to make that step and and really you know continue the trajectory that we've seen him on in the last year yeah look there's we've we've set up our foundation and we've and we've moved back into super two because we want to use it as conveyor belt for drivers engineers and mechanics and um and there's no value in doing that if you're not going to abide by it and try and um, and you know, 
ensure that there is uh, genuine value in what you're what you're trying to do there. And uh, to do that, you need to promote people. Um, you know, there, we spoke to a lot of drivers down pit lane. Um, you know, there's a bunch of top drivers at the top of the championship this year. Um, you can pretty much be sure that we spoke to most of them because that's what our job is to do. Um, and we had a lot of genuine interest. And um, and when it came down to it, Woody just kept impressing. Um, you know, he's had some fantastic, fantastic results. And if he hadn't had that that uh, damage um, with, I think it was Love at Bathurst, and if he hadn't, hadn't um, had that uh, incident at, at uh, Adelaide, uh, sorry, not Adelaide, Newcastle, sorry, um, you know, he probably would have been close to, if not, he would have won the championship. But he had the most race wins and the most po uh, pole positions throughout the season, which is, um, you know, a great first year having never driven a supercar before. Um, so he's definitely a special kid and he's got a lot of talent. Um, you know, there'll be ups and downs next year, bringing a rookie into the category, you're always going to have that. But then again, you can look at what Triple did with Brock Feeney, um, who probably since Woody and Kyle Allen was probably the only other really exciting talent that's come through Super 2, that kind of, you know, really, really that kind of level that's been a pretty obvious choice for teams to bring into the category, um, probably since the sort of Cam Waters, Chas Mostert's, Nick Perkett's, you know, Scott McLaughlin era. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to see what he's going to do in the car. Um, he's got a really, really good attitude, great character. He fits in with our team really well. You know, we don't try and take life too seriously. We want to be an authentic, um, open and transparent and honest team. We want to let our characters of the people in our team shine through. And Chaz is the epitome of that in this category, as I'm sure you, most of you guys will know and, and the fans will know as well. Um, you know, we don't want to be antiseptic and uh, Woody definitely is an antiseptic. You know, he's very much got this similar sort of character um, and a sort of cheekiness in his attitude that Chaz has got. Um, so I think him and, and Chaz together will be a really, really exciting combination, um, both on and off track. Um, you know, it's going to be there's going to be a period of learning the ropes, which you're going to have with any rookie in the category. Um, but, uh, you know, he's clearly quick. He's clearly got the right attitude. Um, and he's got a fantastic character and personality off track, which makes him very sellable uh, commercially. So I'm really, really excited to see what he does. Just to pick up on that point, um, it, it's not as much a manufacturer-oriented rivalry or dynamic in this championship anymore. The drivers are more the stars. How important is it that we're creating big personalities out of the drivers on the grid and trying to you know, sell those to the general public? Uh, yeah, it's critical. I mean, the last thing you want to be in life is boring. I don't think it's just in in, in sport. I think it's just in life generally. Um, you know, there's nothing more disappointing than spending your life doing nothing and, and, and being a bit of an NPC. You know, you want, to, you want to let your character shine through and you want to have confidence and be able to engage and be your true self. Um, one of the reasons that Chaz loves being at WAU as opposed to some of the other teams that do try and, you know, steer people's characters down a certain sort of corporate angle um, and there's nothing wrong with doing that you know, if, if, if it works for them and it makes sense and it's what their partners want um, but it's just not what we want to be we want to be authentic and real um, we think that the fans prefer that we think in an age where fans and um, and partners are more and more thirsty for you know true authentic interactions and engagements with with athletes and you've seen that through you know reality tv series like um like drive to survive and, and a lot of the other ones that have been around sports you know people want to they want to see behind the scenes they want to see the real people that they're, that they're supporting they don't just want to have a facade that um you know is just driven by uh you know corporate dialogue and narrative um they want to see the real people they want to see when they win they want to see them authentic and real and uh, showing their full emotions and when they lose they want to see the same thing 
when they're feeling down, pissed off and angry. So um, we really, really nurture that at WAU. Chaz is the perfect character um, for that kind of environment. And, and Chaz loves being himself. You know, Chaz isn't the kind of guy that that you, um, he's not a very happy person when you're, when you're telling him to be someone that he's not. Um, and uh, that's perfect because it's not what we want him to be. So I think the days of trying to create antiseptic athletes for fear that they're going to say or do something, the risk that they're going to say or do something which is going to upset someone. I think those days are, 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 are becoming lesser and lesser going forward. Um, and I think as as consumers drive uh, people like the sporting teams and athletes to get more genuine content out of them, um, it's going to be hard to hide behind a facade and not show you true colours, so you might as well embrace it. Big change coming for Chaz uh, next season, though, you know, with Adam DeBore moving on, um, Sam Scafidi coming into that role. Are there any concerns that there may take a little time for Chaz to get used to not having Adam by his side? They were together for so long, you know, they were so close. Um, yeah. Is he going to be able to just carry on, you know, a- a- as he does being a front runner? Or do you think there might be a bit, of, he might mourn the loss of Adam a little bit? Yeah, look, I mean, the 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 relationship with Adam and, and Chaz has been a really really good one, but um, you know when you ultimately when you look at it, they've had some great success, but they still never won a championship together, right? So the opportunity to reset and try and do something different, I don't think is a bad one. Um, Adam's clearly a very very talented engineer, but like all engineers, they've got their their pros and cons. You know, there's no such thing as a perfect engineer. There's no such thing as a perfect driver. You're always working with you know various elements of each, and um, I think uh, I think. A bit of change could be a good thing. Um, I think the relationship with him and Adam will remain. They're still going to keep in touch. They're still going to have a very, very close friendship, and they're still going to spend um, long hours uh, on weekends um, on FaceTime talking to each other about car setups like they've been doing for the last 10 or so years. So I don't think that's going to change. It's just when he goes to the track, there's going to be a different person that he's working with as well, and there's going to be someone else that he's calling before or after he speaks to Adam. Um, you, know, you, don't, you don't just, that the relationship doesn't vanish. And the relationship with Adam and WAU and the relationship with Adam and Chaz, there's no breakup there. Um, Adam's just had enough and just wants to rest for a couple of years. And uh, after the season that we've had and how frustrating it's been, I, 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 can, I can kind of understand um, some of the reasons why he may want to do that at this time. So, um, look, we're, we're excited. The other the benefit for WAU is we're going to have Sam in the workshop every day. Um, Adam was, you know, fly and fly out. And whilst that is something you can manage and you can and you can make work, um, there's no denying that having an engineer that's in the workshop, you know, 9 a.m. every morning until 6 p.m. every night does have some additional value add um, to the team. So I'm quite looking forward to seeing how that element um, hopefully gives us a bit more of an edge than we've had previously. And um, and ultimately, Sam has, has been, you know, an accomplished engineer. He's, he's, he's had some good results, and he's, he's done good work over at Tickford. And you can't deny that you know, Tickford have had some good results this year. You know, Cam's done pretty well, and even 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 Randall's been um, been pretty good at the end of this year. So, you know, they are doing some stuff right there, and he'll have some good knowledge on what that is. And if he can dovetail that knowledge into what we're doing, that's making our cars right as well. Um, you know, maybe we can both teach each other a few things and and uh, get some get some improved performance for next season. So um, I'm excited about it. I know Chaz is excited about it. It's changed, but um, I find change is more often good than not. Just last one from me then. Um, bit of a restructure of the team with Bruce um, Stewart moving into the CEO role, Carl Foe into the team principal role. We're seeing quite a few teams kind of split that uh, that top 
sort of role, those top roles at the team. Can you just talk a bit about, you know, why you've gone down that path? Yeah, sure. Well, we're expanding our motorsport operations outside of just supercars. And um, there is an element for having one senior leader that is focused 100% on the two cars purely racing in supercars. And then having Bruce as the CEO overarching above all of that, that's going to work on Walkinshaw Racing, which is still a business that we want to try and uh, rekindle some of our engine programs, some of our parts programs, working in other categories, doing the Toyota 86, doing the Super 2, um, working in GT3 and so on. Um, you know, there's, um, there's, there's value in having someone that can focus on the bigger picture as opposed to just constantly being um, focused on the day-to-day of just the supercar team. So um, that's, there's, there's value in that. That's the same model that you have at McLaren um, with Zach Brown as, as, as CEO of the group that manages all the commercial side of things and the broader racing business. Um, then he's got his team principal beneath him underneath that. And, uh, and that seems to work very, very well for them. And I think there is... If you're doing more than just being a supercar team, I think there's value in that kind of structure. Ultimately, Bruce and Carl, Carl will report to Bruce and Bruce reports to myself, Michael and Zach. So ultimately, that kind of structure stays the same. It just means that there's a broader scope um, or wider scope for, for, for Bruce um, in the wider automotive uh, side of the business, um, sorry, motorsport side of the business, allowing Carl to focus on just driving the uh, the two main game cars as, as hard as possible and giving them you know the due focus that they deserve if you want to go and win championships. So they're both really, really happy about it. It gives an opportunity for people inside our team to step up as well. Um, we've got to have a conveyor belt, otherwise you lose good people. So having the ability to keep promoting people into those roles when they deserve it is also important as well. So, um, you know, that's uh, it's, it's a key stepping stone and how we want our team to operate. We want people to come into our team in Super 2, and then over a period of time, they stay in our team. They keep we remain that, that IP within within these four walls, and uh, and we give them a, an ability that they can continue to grow their and further their careers as they uh, as they improve and, and deliver. Well, Ryan, thanks for joining us on the KTM Summer Grill. Enjoy your winter, not your summer, for where you're going, and we'll uh, we'll see you at a racetrack next year. No worries. Thanks for having you guys. No doubt he is working on his MasterChef grade culinary skills during the off-season and he's taken to diving as well, these things that give him an escape from the pressures of corporate life, from running one of the front-running supercars teams and Walkinshaw Automotive as well. That is it for this edition of the Summer Grill, all with thanks to KTM Ready to Race. Check back in at speedcafe.com tomorrow morning to see who our next guest is. You could be a winner each episode of the Summer Grill. KTM are giving you the chance to win a bar stool, a mug, and this race-inspired clock as well. So there's more good reasons to tune in and hear from some of the stars of world motorsport here as a part of the KTM Summer Grill. All you've got to do is click on the link below, fill in your details, and you could be in the running to win.